0: to the Kino yoga podcast bringing you the stories of many people who in various ways are attempting to walk the path of yoga our intention is to inspire your own practice and commitment to yoga beyond the mat and in all areas of life we consider this an offering a service to the community and a labor of love if you feel inclined any donations are appreciated just visit our page and click the donate button at www.keenonyoga.co.uk forward slash podcast i hope you enjoy the show Today's guest on the Keenan Yoga podcast is Mary Taylor Freeman. Mary began her study of yoga in 1971. 1988, found her primary teacher in Sri K. Pattabhi Jois. She grew up to British parents and enjoyed a traditional upbringing regarding food. She had a healthy attitude to food until her first year at university, where she suffered a bout of anorexia. Interestingly. She sought to restore her relationship with eating through the study of food and cuisine in France. And she spent a total of two years in France, first at the renowned cooking school L'Ecole de Trois Gourmandes of Julia Child, and then working as a pasty chef in Paris. On returning, having regained a sense of equilibrium and her regular weight, she subsequently has devoted her life, alongside her practice and yoga teaching, to the subject of food, diet, both on a personal level, as a passionate cook, but also as a teacher and writer. Here she adapts her traditional training to more health-inspired recipes, as well as speaking more generally about the subject of food. In this regard, she is the co-author of the profound What Are You Hungry For? Women, Food and Spirituality. The following conversation involves a most candid discussion from both Mary and myself on our feelings and relationship with food. We hope it may serve as some source of comfort or even assistance for any who have experienced confusion or struggles in this area. Welcome, Mary, to the and Yoga Podcast.
1: Thank you, Adam.
2: Um, so, just give us a little overview of: uh, how, Did you grow up with an interest in food? And what was your experience of food growing up?
1: My experience with food as a child was that I was a very, very, very picky eater. Right. I came from a family uh, with British parents, right. and we so and we were Catholic, and so Friday night was you were, food.
2: didn't eat anything then.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Terrible know, diet. but then the big meal was a roast beef, you know. Right. Of course, and 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 um from the time I was a child, I just hated beef and you know meat. But I didn't really know that that was. I, I just couldn't eat it. I remember sitting in front of the dinner plate, like sort of feeling rather nauseated because of that. Right. And and. Um, I think later in life, when I did become a vegetarian many, many years ago, um, mm-hmm. you know that that was maybe some sort of root reaction I was having for whatever reason to meat. Um, but there was a great respect for food in my family, and mm-hmm. um, and so that was a huge part of my life. And as a as a young kid, I got way into sort of making. Uh, sandwiches and food for my parents um, with all right. kinds of spices and all of this. And so I, I was always very interested in it.
2: Um, so they were interested in food, but just more into kind of traditional kind of British fare. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: British right. Food. Okay.
1: Yeah. With Yorkshire pudding. And, oh, wow.
2: Well, that's those are nice. I, I, still like.
1: I do like Yorkshire pudding. Oh, I love
2: Yorkshire pudding.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Okay. That's, I mean, there's this interview the sharing between me and Mary. That's different to my experiences. I didn't really have um, any background in of food. I, I, I obviously say I didn't know how to boil an egg when I left home. I didn't know anything about food. And, and I got in, share this, and many people know this, but I got into vegetarianism because I didn't know how to cook for myself. And I landed at university in London and, well, i was li- just living out of cans. And then I got introduced to the Harry Christmas and they did the free food. You know, you go and you listen to the lecture and you get the free meal. And I love the food so much, you know, that, um and it happened to be vegetarian so that that's that's how how I got into food but yeah it wasn't it wasn't growing up in my family a big deal so so you had a, a sense of a, a, a kind of particularity to food but also your parents gave you an interest to food and then that, that obviously that fructified uh, you told me in the last podcast of you uh, training as a chef after yes. after you did a degree you did one degree
1: in academia
2: and then uh,
1: it was midway through my um, right. bachelor's degree. And it was during that period of time where it was actually during the Vietnam War. That's how old I am.
2: Oh, my God, and, you are so old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Wow>. And,
3: <laughs> and
1: um, so on campuses, there was just a huge amount of turmoil in a in in reality, very much like what's going on today. Yeah, right. And I, I, um, during that period of time, one of my responses to the stress of university and also in retrospect, I I realized many years later, in response to people uh, being part of the quote unquote anti-war movement, which I was, very, very moved by myself, um, some of the people who were sort of the on-campus, on-university the campus leaders, at some stages I started seeing, well, you know, the, instead of really being there for the meaning of what this is, they were mm. there, you know, like spraying fire hoses over the... Um, yeah over the crowd almost like a fraternity party and it just hit me in this dissonant sort of way that that there is this uh you know and, and this is all in retrospect that i see it but that this human nature aspect of um sort of m- warping things and then right. taking advantage of things right uh, was very very disturbing to me. And right, so just
3: yeah,
2: disappointed my, in, in human nature.
1: Yeah, and and and, yeah. and I've seen it in other places, but that's where it really got right. me because I was really believing in this. Yeah, right. And part of my response, my anxiety response or whatever, was that I, um, I, I think that triggered in me an eating disorder, which turned out to be anorexia. So right. I went from being kind of very um, sort of normal in my approach to food. Um, and, and like many people who go to university, my first year at university, I kind of like you, I didn't know what I was doing with food. And I just was eating all kinds of different things. Yeah, yeah. And I put mm-hmm. on maybe 10 pounds, not much of weight. And then I saw pictures of myself and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, fat. Mm-hmm. And so I started, I started. <laughs> right, right, right. With that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we and laughed, then, but it's not, it's not funny. And um, yeah. yeah. It was right. funny. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. In some ways.
3: Because yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To no one else did I look, you know, people, I yeah. remember people telling me you're looking great and I like you looking right. more voluptuous and me thinking, Well yeah. oh dear, what does that mean? And, yeah. and, and then it, so I started losing weight, and then it spiraled into something that was completely out of my uh, control. Well, you're going
2: to say control, but it is, I mean, my experience of it, and I can say, yeah, I can say I definitely have had difficulties with food throughout, throughout actually throughout my life. Um, it was, it's, a, it's a sense of trying to have control, I think, ultimately, yeah. isn't it? It's a funny you think, you feel out of control, but yet it's an attempt to remain in control somehow like with you and the experience of of this disappointment in you know in having yeah. ideals close to your heart and seeing how most people do pay lip service to, to yeah. a lot to a lot of these things you know and just just a response to trying to c- claw back some semblance of self i don't know
3: yeah um,
1: and and that 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 sort of um, paradox of it being out of control and yet it is
2: yeah very much control, control. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's a huge part of of you know a distorted relationship with food and the body I think and so many people at at the time I was a psychology major and no one oh. really you know because of course you yeah. go into psychology when you know you're crazy. <laughs> and um really no one knew you know this wasn't something that was talked about yeah the so kind of trend setter um did you I discuss remember, it then with people no the time I didn't no. Discuss it with my family no. Right, right, or, right. and no one talked about it and i remember just going to the library before the internet and trying to research what's going on and back in the 30s there was some research on this behavior and it was, you know, talked about, I think as a mild psychosis or something. So that was, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, but then I realized, wow, this is what's happening to me. And so, but uh, at that stage, it was in the sort of like, you know, the thing where it had taken on a life of its own right Um, within my, Within my body and within my approach to things, um, and my experience over the years, having seen many people going through uh, various different kinds of eating disorders, is that, um, and not maybe prejudiced towards this because I yeah. want, to, but I think many times when that happens to people, it's people who are very sensitive very
3: intelligent yeah.
1: and trying to make sense of something that is not working in their life and um and then it just spirals and and uh, so for me what happened was I went from being a normal looking person or maybe a little mm. bit to down to and I don't know you know, in other weight forms. But yeah, I was going to say, I, you, can um, say way, you can say any you say any weight to me, but I don't yeah. understand it
2: if you can talk in pounds or. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was I was down to like seventy eight pounds, which right. my normal weight would be around 105, 110 now.
3: Right. And, um, right. Yeah.
1: So it was it was extreme, and and um and at that point, one day I was asleep, and I had. Uh This incredibly uh vivid dream, where I woke up from the dream in my dream, and I sat up in bed and I looked down at my legs, and my legs were just um they were just bones, so I had no flesh,
3: yeah and
1: I yeah. thought, oh no, and I reached down to touch my legs, yeah, and the bones uh sort of fell apart into dust. And at that point, I actually woke up from the dream. Wow. And I was so shocked by this dream and realized, whoa, this is, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. Right. And, and, and so it was at that point that I thought, I don't want that to happen. And right. um, a, a little while later, it struck me, I want to go study about food Mm. Uh, because food is my enemy and i want Uh to you know i love food but it's my enemy what's up with that and and so i was
2: before it became your enemy but at the stage when it was in you were in that process of addiction what what other thoughts around it did you have like just a kind of as it was, you're so using an appropriate metaphor to to flesh this out a bit. <laughs> what, what kind of nothing else came to mind? What <laughs> other kind of thoughts did you have around it? Like, why around. were you doing it? After a while, why were you doing it? Just to get it to, was, was it true. about lo- the way you looked as well, or, or just a, a withdrawal from result? self? I suppose self-esteem as well, isn't it? You're young. We're in a you know we're in a group of many people our peers around, right? Like, there's the a sense yeah. of uncertainty about oneself.
1: Yeah, it was very much based on two things. One is when it first started happening, it was this thing of, oh, you know, all these people around me have, you know, been on diets and it doesn't work. And look, for some reason, I have this strong will, which is probably why I love Ashtanga. Um, (laughs) And I love, you know, doing, you know, taking the bull by the horns and And I, so it was working for me. And I, in the beginning, it was, oh, well, I've lost now the 10 pounds that I gained.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let me lose about three more so that, you know, so that I have a little bit of a savings account that I can, you know, use. Yeah. And that's That's when it got neurotic. And so at that point, It was just, well, let me lose a few more. And Mm -hmm. then some, I don't have a memory of it, but then it became this focus that was very, um, you know, imbalanced and keeping me, you know, it was like I would, I, I ended up, you know, I would have a a scale to weigh myself. I would go and I would stand on it. Oh dear. One pound more, one pound less.
3: Mm.
1: And, um, and, just seeing what my physical body looked like and then feeling, oh dear, you know, here's a little, it it just got really distorted. And, um, And, and so at that point it was quite, you know, what people would call a mental illness, what I would call, it was just, I was completely isolated. I had no support. I didn't know what to do. And my experience in since then, and and yoga is really what helped me um, break that pattern and come out of it. Um, but my experience is that, at least for me, and I think many others, mm. the last thing you want is someone saying, oh, you're going to hurt yourself and don't do this and you have to yeah. do that. Mm. And so, um, you know, because that then puts this other added pressure on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like and the social pressure of, of hurting other people as well with it somehow. Yeah, yeah.
1: and so, yeah. you know, for me, it was just very fortunate that um, circumstances arose, that I, I had that dream, that I had the insight, no, I don't want to, to mm. die, that I was able to come up with this idea I needed to study food and that I was able uh, thanks to my parents, who were so worried about me, but of course they're British, so you don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> that they, that they, when I showed the interest to go and study cooking in France, they had the means to be able to help me yeah. do that, and so the, I was very, very, very fortunate. And so when I went to France, um, yes. things shifted in terms of my physical appearance.
3: What? Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I I did because you you
2: going to the country with one of the renowned kind of use of butter, cream, cheese. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a kind yeah. of irony upon irony that you you know <laughs> you go you go <laughs> go for the kind of we say the sublime to the ridiculous. So exactly. and so so Mary, so Mary went to study. And what was the institute? It was it was oh, a, a, the Julia Child Institute, right? It was
1: Julia Child. They called it Agoura Gourmand. and then later I went and did apprenticeships in a couple of restaurants and in a pastry shop in Paris and I also studied at the Cordon Bleu for just a like an eight-week period Um, so I didn't do their full year program but I did the one with Julia Child's school and um, and that again I was very very lucky because it was right before she became famous and I knew of her. You were actually studying with her? Yeah, and her Simone Beck was was my main teacher, and um, then her assistant uh, Camille Cadier was was very much my teacher also, and um, there were just two of us in the class. Oh my god! So, for those that
2: don't know, these are really, really famous um, you know figures in in food history that Mary's talking about here.
1: How how long were you there for? I was. I went to France twice. The first time it was, I was there a year. The second time I was there almost a year doing, the first time was this uh, training and I was also an au pair. The second time I went back and did apprenticeships in, and, and so that was, so I had been in university for two years, had that crisis. Right. And then this was how I reset and then after I finished university, I came back again.
2: So and did the, it reset it? You just went over and, and, it, and it and it went away.
1: Well, the physical part to everyone else and everyone thought, you know, thank goodness we don't have now we really don't have to talk about it. She's better because my body looked normal and I was, you know, behaving You're normal. Right. But mentally, I. I tell you, Adam, I struggled with it for probably 15 years until I really started doing a more um, consistent yoga practice and having some sense of self-study in terms of the yoga, you know, the internal yoga. um, So that from the outside, I seemed normal, but Mm, there's mm. this turmoil inside all the time. Um, and about yeah, and eating, about eating, and what you're and eating, my body image, and right, right, it was, it was, and you know, I consider myself smart enough, and I knew this was crazy, insane, mm. and but
2: and, it's beyond rational, isn't it? It's not, it's kind of nothing. Yeah. You, it, I mean, from my experience, it's nothing you can really figure out, and I suppose there's seminal moments for it, so you, the the legs. For me, I remember actually for me i tell you what i happened. i fell off my bike and i was cycling i was I as teaching yoga right and i was yeah. cycling back from teaching a class i fell off my bike and i had so little flesh that um i just it just took a completely took the skin off my arm so badly yeah. like in a way that i hadn't seen you know like um i hadn't been used to you know it like yeah. it shouldn't it shouldn't have done that you know and i realized that um my, it wasn't rep- like it was just the, the flesh wasn't good you know that the the skin was so thin and that yeah. there was no protection there yeah and I just kind of think you know there's, there's seminal moments isn't there I mean I'm you yeah. know I think well,
1: what do you think triggered it for you
2: I think it thought you know I think it's always been there you know since yeah. I was young I think I remember I because we didn't have so much of a let's say a food background our diet at home might not have been the most Healthiest, let's say, and uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, um, at that time in England, maybe It's not the case now, but everyone was, uh, you know, when you were a kid, everyone was completely uh, like a boy, completely thin, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it was like uh, like India was a number of years ago, you know, like as a child, you're, you're you know, like, yes yeah, and I wasn't, you know, and I was one of the kids in the class that wasn't, um. and, uh, I didn't really notice this until it was pointed out to me and things like swimming and stuff by other kids, and um. I guess it just seeped into my head slowly, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: and I don't know when it changed, but uh, yeah, but it becomes something other, It becomes something you can't, you can rationalize to yourself, but it has a life of its own. And, and that was one kind of interest to do this with you because I, I saw many years ago that you'd put this out there, the interest with food and related to this. And I kind of feel it's an important subject in the Ashtanga background as well. Now you mentioned with Ashtanga that it helped you. But I can see, in, and in my experience as well, as it, it did help regulate the food, but it was also a catalyst to uh, instigate another difficulty with it because obviously you get lighter in the body and you feel you're getting better and you want to get better, obviously, and it can snowball from there.
1: That's so true. And, and mm. in addition to that, there's this Ashtanga um, mythology that you know you don't eat after such and such an hour right of day. yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah so then it's like oh that's good news so then I have right. this excuse
2: right
3: mm-hmm. and
1: and then exactly what you're saying where indeed you do become more limber and you and 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 in a certain way you know the yoga is quote-unquote better um yeah and exactly. that's You know, that's problematic and um, a systemic uh, uh, problem in Ashtanga, but also to be expected that just because the goal sometimes when, especially for those of us, as we're beginning, the goal in Ashtanga is to do the more, you know, gnarly poses or to (laughs) be the one who can, can touch, you know, Whatever, mm. you know, put your head on your sacrum from behind or something. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and um so and I think as we have both shared, that what happens so often is that it it you know you start going in that direction and then it does snowball. And the people around you at first are saying, Wow, you know, you're so flexible and you're this and you're that and and when you Become you get a relationship with food where you are either anorexic or even bulimic, where you, um, you're kind of lightheaded in certain ways. It almost right. feels like, oh, I'm am I is this enlightenment? <laughs> <laughs> and um, hungry, <laughs> yeah,
3: <and laughs> really
2: hungry, right? But it wasn't your experience with yoga that you, you found it regulated. Well, Rather than drove it the other way. Well,
1: when I say that, what it the the part of yoga that helped me was the contemplative aspect of it. Where within a a yoga practice, and this is very true in ashtanga also, but also in uh, a sitting meditation practice, what we are really cultivating is the ability to give the mind the space it needs to. to do its thing right. while um, we are providing a stable base for it. and that the mind then starts to notice um, habitual patterns of behavior and, and thought and uh, sensation and the conclusions that the mind draws to those from those things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mind itself starts to be able to let go of its need to uh, be in charge. And and it's then liberated, in a sense, to do what it really does best, which is to be creative um, in our thinking rather than to try to tell us what to do. Because the body, the physical body, the emotional body, the intuitive sense in in our yeah. experience of things really can tell us what to do, but the mind is always there saying, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we mm-hmm. need to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so for me, um, and, and it was interesting because in part it did not happen when I was doing yoga, but what got me to the point where I could um where I could eat more uh intelligently was to start watching the entire process of my um, avert my attraction to eating my aversions to eating my eating in unhealthy ways or not eating and Mm. then how I felt afterwards so for instance I went through a phase once I had gained weight where I would still not eat for long periods of time but then I would eat a lot and then I would feel awful and then I wouldn't eat a, for a long time because I would be feeling awful from having eaten a lot. Mm, and then, mm, mm. and then I'd eat a lot again. And you know, right. so, I this,
3: so I started
1: yeah. somehow, you know, just saying, wow, here I am after having eaten like this and I feel terrible and I was observing it. And then, Oh, here I am. And I'm hungry. And this feels kind of like interesting. And now here I am getting kind of obsessed and here I am, thinking I'm going to go eat a whole lot of food and that feels horrible. And here I am actually going to get that food and here I am in the middle of eating it. Right. And, here mm. and so somehow that you know, consistent watching it unfold step by step mm. and then watching how bad I felt afterwards and then watching the pattern repeat itself, that was something that happened. Um, and I think it partly happened because I had begun to do yoga at that point, I wasn't doing Ashtanga, but I'd begun to do yoga where I was being um, instructed to pay attention to things and um, then what that taught me was that at any point, whether it's with food and eating or whether it's in a relationship with another person, at any point, there is this pattern that we're following and at any moment you're taking in the next step and you mm, have a choice mm, and what is your choice going to be because you know if you take the same step you've taken hundreds of times you know what
3: that's going to feel yeah like. right mm, and mm. so an experimentation
2: and, in a way like just like well let's see if well, what happens i'm obviously not feeling happy here so yeah. what if i just do something different in a way in the end exactly. maybe that. Yeah, that comes to play exactly. I, my experience I tell you what it was is that um i I said talking to you about it again, I realized what it was a, a big part of it is I remember going on the soup i mean you know in your time, obviously you might well actually you were in u s you would have had supermarkets big supermarkets before us, but supermarkets were actually quite a new thing in my childhood, right like we just had grocery stores like the butcher and the the the, right,
3: right. the, the
2: green the green grocer right exactly. and there was, yeah,
3: That's there was a, and,
2: yeah. right so I remember that it was a two, three years old, going around with my mum uh, to all these different store- shops, and I really enjoyed it. Right? And it, 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 I think even then, it provided a sense of connection. Like for me, the food has always been about connection to reality, um, and, yeah. and to other people, and to to something ten- kind of like tangible. And um, and then we, we used to start going because it became a lot easier. Obviously, when a supermarket opened in the town, or remained nameless, and um, you know, and, and and then we used to just go there. Yeah. And I, I couldn't fathom a reason to choose this product over that product anymore. I just felt oh. so, so. um, so, uh, I want to find a more poetic word, but I just felt so disconnected yeah. with the whole experience of it. And then, you know, obviously I had the thing, you know, as everyone does to degrees, I think there's obviously with a sense of value, with a sense of body image tied up with value, increasingly this is becoming, uh, you know. Uh, more and more, you know, of, of, you know, the whole of our image is tied up with body value. But there was that. But there was also this feeling of disconnection, you know. And so for me, and I wonder if this is the case for you, is that going actually going out of the, the country, with England, which is pretty disconnected with food, to someplace else in Europe, in the Mediterranean, which had a natural sense of connection with the food, uh, Greece, um, yeah. I, I found that I, I rectified that, that sense of connection again with my food. The sense of... Uh, yeah, the reason, no. the reason to eat, and I don't. Did you find that in France at all?
1: Oh yeah, and I think that's a brilliant insight. And when you think about what you were saying in terms of your own experience of just like any child being a normal person, just hanging out with your friends, and then you start to feel disconnected when they're making fun of you. Or for me, when I had that experience during the war um protests where you're disconnected. Yeah. There's a disconnection, so,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And and it's and somehow food to me one of the remarkable things about food is how it is it does provide exactly that this sense of connection, the breaking of bread with people you yeah. are getting to know or people you love dearly. Mm. And it it breaks down barriers. And it starts to represent all kind. Like when you try to, I've worked over the years with people with, you know, all kinds of different issues with food, not only eating disorders. And it is one of the most intimate parts of people's lives. You have mm, your mm. cultural and historical and familial um, aspects to your relationship to food that are really important to nurture and maintain because it's mm. exactly that what you're saying it
3: is the connection that, um, yeah i suppose if you don't feel
2: connected the first thing you do is actually just just kind of deny that connection isn't it and food offers that branch yeah. in a way but if you don't feel that that branch is, is you know is one that you can take or want to yeah. then you just pull away from that perhaps
3: yeah you know, that's push okay. it away and
1: so in terms of um in terms of Ashtanga yoga, and this I'm mm. just thinking off the top of my yeah. head, but you know, one of the problems in the way uh, all of us might see Ashtanga is that it is this competitive, who's better than who because who can yeah. put their leg behind their head first yeah. sort of thing. And so it has, which is not the way... Um, be Joyce or Sharad or Saraswati or Manju or any of the teachers really um, have presented, mm. but it's <clears throat> sort of embedded in this linear type system that can be seen as linear. Um, it's a system that, that can be misinterpreted in the you know, tip of a hat to be something where whoever you know, can do this is better than this person. And that is the ultimate uh representation of separation. And 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 therefore, in part, what we're and disconnect. And and what you're saying, this this uh, this distortion of relationship to food is therefore seems like it would be quite natural to start happening within this mm. form of. Yeah and to be fair.
2: I mean and we've seen it and and we've seen it and I we talked a little bit before about well, I've seen it not only with myself but with <laughs> with many of my students you know so I mean and, and it's one that feels oftentimes powerless to try and change that but yeah. you know I mean I think we enter yoga inherently with you know we've come from a cultural uh system of uh, ideology rooted in capitalism which is rooted which is competition and uh so it's, you know, you know, certainly in our and you know, and now, you know, maybe it wasn't in India back at the time when you learned to even or certainly when, you know, but now it's there as well. Um, and yeah. so yoga is yeah. now another form of competition. And yeah. the diet is also a sense of competition, isn't it? It's a sense of specialness. Yeah. I can be thinner. I can be, you know, more controlled, more self-controlled.
1: And and to be fair, you know, it's not only a Shtanga. I've seen it. Yes, uh, yes. You no,
3: know, no, no, no. You know,
1: yes. it, it is it is in many forms of um, yoga that this starts to happen. And, you know, any form of rigorous.
2: Well, it was famed in ballet, wasn't it? Or ballet yeah. or, you know, or modeling or something. But it certainly happens here, which is, it was one of my particular interests to yeah. just broach the point. And uh, I mean, to this end, I mean, we've talked about it, but I mean, that your solution was a dream. And then my solution was actual, you know. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I'll always be a philosopher. My, my solution was thinking about the, the connection, you know, and, and sensing yeah. a real connection with my food, um, yeah. and that there wasn't any way I could think of my way around it or practice my way out of it personally. Yeah. You also felt that the practice enabled you a sense of objectiveness over yourself to see. Wow. Right. Is that right? I think so. I mean, just so. kind of offering uh, people listening that may also have slight difficulties to whatever degree what. And and also
1: Yeah, the yoga practice, you know, really solicits in us the um the sort it's an invitation to look at things more deeply and to find meaning
3: in life
1: that is deeper than um our own corporeal existence. Right. Mm. So um when you start really studying yoga, even people who don't have um Difficulties with food and body image, et cetera. There comes a point where you realize there's more to it than this, you know, than just rolling out my mat and doing my asana practice. And that the real, um, the real benefit of yoga is that it breaks down it, it breaks down our illusion of self, and it it really gives us the opportunity to see how we connect with everyone else and how the, how we are part of something far bigger than our own little, you know, mind and our own little story that's going on. Mm. And so it gives us, there is this invitation, this, you know, we're solicited to find meaning in life. And once you find, once you have that invitation to look for something more meaningful than how much do I weigh or what posture can I do, yeah. then those things. And and in a way, this is what happened to me. Rather than trying to change the pattern, it just mm. slowly I let it go slowly,
3: um, right? Rather than so it, trying yeah. to make
1: it change. Um, and in a way, we you know you and I have talked about the Gita and when I've been before and when I've was have have been working with the Gita in the last year or so a couple of years mm. this mm. idea of non-attachment to the fruits of the actions is really what we're talking about here because if you if you are thinking well i have to fix this problem that this student is becoming you know obsessed with food and diet etc or that i am mm. then it exacerbates the problem it can but if mm. and because you're attached to the fruit of that, mm. animal, rather than uh, providing a context for insight, and and you know that can happen. And fortunately for you, fortunately for me, it happened spontaneously. But I have mm. also known a couple of students who have died
3: from really. Uh,
1: Oh, well, yeah, from right. eating disorders, and there's a wonderful young woman in oh. the United States, mm. um, uh, Chelsea Roth, who's very young, who got into an eating disorder pattern when she was like 12 or 13, and actually she speaks she now teaches yoga because yoga is what helped her, right? And she, at the age of 15, had a stroke from right because from had, this, yeah, and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know it it is now becoming a thing because people Mm. have heard about it because you know there is more pressure um it's becoming something that's a big problem
2: what happens if someone's listening and says well that's very nice but i don't feel any of that i'm still obsessed with food and my body and i'm not really getting that sense of inquiry in yoga." you know because it doesn't come all, all of a sudden right like is there any practical things that, that, that we can offer that, that you, you know, I mean, you were obviously, you know, a trained chef and then you became a vegetarian chef, you know, um, so you know all about food and diet. Is there any particular foods that you've used and their healing capacity or, you know, any practical instruction that we can suggest here?
1: You know, I I, I wish there were a one mm. silver bullet.
3: Yeah, um, of course. Yeah.
1: I I did write a book. Many years ago, it was published in 2000, called "What Are You Hungry For: Women, Food, and Spirituality," and it's a book where we um, looked at this idea of how do you find something more meaningful in life, um, and then and for each person it's different, and then with that then there are also things that like little practical things you can do like. Uh, uh, simple little things. The thing that worked for me was watching the pattern come and go. But another simple version of that is <clears throat> if you have the urge to have a distorted relationship with eating, either overeating or, you know, being starving, you're yeah. yourself food saying, well, okay, I'm going to give myself five minutes right now before I act on that urge so so urges and desires
3: right you Mm. know
1: just when Mm. you notice them arising pause and in that pause um, before you act on it before you run to get you know this the donut that you were longing for before you you know stop yourself from ever eating again that day Mm. Pause, and really if you have the consciousness to do that the awareness to do that you also have the ability the awareness to come into that moment and say what do i really want to do here and what do i what is my body telling me it needs or doesn't need because our bodies really know and if your body is dying of hunger or if you're really full already and you're wanting to eat something Mm -hmm. um, body knows that and then so you just pause and then you take an action and maybe you and that action may or may not be based on the truth of what you're perceiving in your own body Mm -hmm. in the beginning but if you keep doing that um and you keep the
2: sense pausing. of natural intuition.
3: Mm. Yeah,
1: pausing and mm. checking in with the body, like getting to know your own signs of hunger. Because what we start recognizing is that anxiety and anger and fear and some of these things that are very mm. powerful emotions. If you pay attention to yourself, when those things arise, <clears throat> you might find that's um some of the same physical sensations start to happen in the body when hunger arises or when you're satiated from food mm. so in other words the mouth can become dry the stomach can become tight or um you know there may be sort of sensation in the in the stomach area mm. that your your mind is interpreting as one thing but in fact it has to do with hunger. Um, right. So mm. there, so I, th-
2: you know. But if- it comes back to a connection with self, doesn't it? Because it's like you've also got to be willing and courageous to, to kind of, let's you say, know, in, in, a, in a cliche kind of way to kind of come back or be with yourself, right? Because this wish to avoid, whether it's in, in becoming lightheaded where you're denying food, or the wish to distract yourself by, say, overeating you just feel uh, you know kind of like a like a getting into a kind of food coma as they say you know okay. like you in both respects you're 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 moving away from being with yourself aren't you totally. I, I also found a parallel with with eating and and with being with oneself and yoga it's very much disconnected yeah. in my mind yeah. yeah
1: i think you're you're so right about that and that and also to not you know to forgive yourself for this and that sounds right. like a mm. good thing and and i was speaking with a student the other day about something related and realized in a way that's a little bit of a maybe not an accurate thing to say rather than forgive yourself to look deeply and say to congratulate yourself for having an extreme response to something that is not right in your life um because hmm. nine times out of 10 um these things come about because like you were saying of something like disconnection or Mm. something, you know, a big trauma that has happened in someone's life. And so, Mm. so there, there is the element of forgive yourself for, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, but also forgive yourself. Almost sounds a little bit like, Oh, there, 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 honey, don't worry about it. But that's not what I mean by that. I mean, that don't be so hard on yourself and look again, you know, think again and see if that response you're having might be something that is actually very important to, for you to have um, said, wait a minute, this isn't right. Some, Mm. some, Mm. some, something. And then to try to rectify that situation. So If it is that you're not being yourself, um, that you feel the system is beating you down and, you know, you all your creative juices have been turned off and you feel too constrained by your Mm. job or something like that. Then and then you've developed this sort of eating disorder, which I've seen in people Mm. Then, Mm. then that response, maybe how it manifested might be a very dangerous thing. But the yeah. fact that you were responding to something that was its not a
2: response is right. just not yeah, it's just not yeah. a kind of perhaps the most efficient response that one could make. Right. Yes. But it is a yeah, it's a, like you say, it's you know, it's a it's a reasonable response or a crazy response to a crazy, crazy situational world, isn't it? Um right. which right. which then begets a crazy response. But there's right. something else in there as well in terms of the food is also a process, isn't it? Because it's always changing and always evolving. And and I think what I found as well is more, you know, kind of had a little bit of, uh, you know, a number of years ago, a bit of a feeling of difficulty around the food again is as you're getting older, you, you know, like, suddenly you just thought, Oh God, I'm kind of getting a bit fat, you know, because. Okay. Because you know, going kind of, everything was fine for a number of years, and you're eating the same and same and same. You know, like you're eating the same, and then just you look, oh, well, you know, like suddenly, you know, your metabolism changes as you get older. You know, like you have to, so yeah, you know, so adaptation is like a constant. Um, it's a constant necessity, right, in in eating. And I think a lot of people don't realize this. All adults across the board, right, what what we see, um, right. and and you know, you know, whether in yoga or not, and um, you have to adapt to your eating as you get older. It doesn't mean yeah. you don't eat. It just means you have to look at it differently, right? Um, and in Turkey recently, actually, I have to share this one. Um, and then i like, you talk. But in Turkey, I was doing this workshop recently and someone said, well, before he says something like before 40, we eat the lamb, but then after 40, we eat, we say in Turkey, we eat what the lamb eats. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, that's really, that's really good. I'm going to use that because I've always been trying to write something on food. And uh, I said, I looked at him and I, he, it didn't look that, that, that was the case. It didn't seem that that was the case. So I said this, and he goes, no, I don't, I don't, that's just what we say. I don't do that. I eat lamb. I love lamb.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
2: but, you know. <laughs> anyway, oh, over yeah. to you. The, Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I had to share that. But the, the, yes. the idea that um, we have to adapt the diet is really tricky because you think oh, I've got it. And I felt for a few years, I've got it in the bag. You know, right. I just have to, pra- I have to practice yoga and I have to do this much exercise and i eat this much and everything's fine. I had it, you know, and then, and then something shifts, you know, and something shifts again, you know, and you think, oh, actually, you know, it's not working anymore. And I have to look at it again and retry. And I think in my reshift, something went a bit wrong again, you know, and yeah.
1: Yeah, life is so unfair. We just get it figured out and it changes. That's
2: right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I
1: think, in terms of actual foods, um, I you know, I have the things I eat and the style I eat in and etc. But I think looking at
3: uh, foods but has that, that changed I, a lot? Has um, that change a lot?
1: Yeah, I think definitely since my days uh, working in a French pastry shop, yeah, <laughs> right, not so
2: many croissants yeah. beer anymore. No. But
1: I think you know, noticing in this, this. The body seems more sensitive to this as I get older. But noticing when foods make me feel kind of lightheaded, and when I'm, and foods make me feel more grounded. Right. And 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 the foods, for instance, I got sick with an autoimmune disease six years ago, six and a half years ago, and so I started experimenting with all kinds of shifts in my diet that were recommended by different people from different places, um, which is a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. And um, But one of the things for a long period of time I took out totally from my diet was grain of any sort. So that meant no rice, no quinoa, no wheat, no, <clears throat> you know, no rye,
3: <clears throat> no
1: barley, any kind mm-hmm. of grain whatsoever.
3: Right.
1: And I could, I found in doing so that I could not ever feel grounded. And so I would eat inordinate amounts of things that would almost try to give me ballast. Right. Not inordinate, but I mean, I would really eat a lot of potatoes or a lot of right. things that make me feel grounded. And then when I realized not eating grains didn't help my autoimmune disease at all, I started reintroducing them. And, I, and there was so much more balance in what I could do. And I did feel that I could then uh, feel connected to earth and then know what was uh, really helping or not helping uh, Uh in terms of my, my illness. And, and in fact, for me, I don't think diet has much to do with it. I think for many people, autoimmune diseases are impacted by diet and many diseases are put into that category because of, um, because it's sort of a, we don't know what this is. Let's put it in the autoimmune disease category. So, it's
2: quite a general term, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I think the the point of that is that being mm. foods that make you feel grounded and then protein sources. So many of us who so, are vegetarian... What kind of stuff really, do you eat then? If
2: you don't that, mind me asking. Yeah. No, what does your diet all. look like?
1: Yeah. What? our My diet vegetarian. is... Yeah, I'm completely vegetarian, have been now for, you know, close to 40 years. And um, when I was pregnant uh, with our son 30 years ago, I thought, okay, I'll just open my mind and eat whatever I want to. Maybe I'll eat meat now. And I really kept that as an open option. And Mm. I didn't want to eat meat. I mean, it didn't feel like it, Um, but I do um, on it. I do not eat so much dairy um so because it doesn't i don't like the taste of it much right um, but um I do eat um grains and I do eat uh beans and lentils and pulses, and i we eat so many vegetables um so I'm always just preparing different kinds of vegetables but At pretty much every meal, I think it's very, very important if you're vegetarian to have, you know, for me, to have Mm. something that is a protein, a high protein source and to check it out. Like in the United States and maybe other parts of the world, you'll go to health food restaurants and they say, what kind of protein do you want on your main course? You can have beef or chicken or tofu or avocado. Well, avocado doesn't have much protein in it. No. <laughs> so, so really, yes. check it out. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. Make sure that you are getting things that, that are balanced. Right. Um,
2: you don't eat much dairy or eggs, I assume. So I you're do,
1: having, you
3: do eat eggs. You okay. do Okay.
1: Probably a couple times a week. Um, okay. For me, they do really, really well. Um, and I also, I eat a lot of nuts and seeds. But I, uh, you know, I also... To this day, and I hope until my dying day, I am open to thinking. Well, what what do do I really feel? What is my body calling out for um, today? Because so you still
2: open even after all these years, the question of meat, so you still.
1: I you know uh, it's becoming less and less and less right. that I would even consider it because of the. Like I did not go into it um as much f- for um the reason of not I, I went into it because of the humanitarian
3: aspect. Yes. Yeah, right. And then
1: mm-hmm. now in addition to that, there is so much environmental problem with overconsumption of meat that I you know, I don't have the urge physically to have meat or even fish. I don't eat fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have two really strong ethical reasons. I don't yeah.
3: eat those right. things.
1: And so it becomes less and less of an issue. But
2: people, I mean, people will say, oh, I mean, I've heard this a lot. I need meat. I feel like, you know, I was vegan. They often say I was vegan, but now I feel like I really didn't suit me, and I need Uh, meat i feel so much better with meat and the practice is so dynamic it demands a higher protein source you don't get enough protein in chickpeas blah blah what do you what do you think about that
3: i mean i think that
1: you know i think it is is that possible i yeah i do think it's possible i think it's a very individual thing right and i think that many 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 vegetarians do not understand um how much food you have to eat and you may experience that if you are you vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I find that, you know, when you are vegetarian, you just have to eat more volume than you might expect. Even me, and I'm, I'm small and I'm relatively thin and I eat so much more than most people I know,
3: right. which in a way is That's wonderful. good.
1: Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's good. And um, because, you know, you process it pretty quickly. Um, and f- um, but by the same token, like people who take Chinese medicine have Chinese medicine advice in China. Meat is one of the primary uh, sources of protein that people depend on, and in Chinese medicine, it's yeah. a huge part of Chinese mm. medicine. Just or in the
2: ayurveda like with all the with all the dairy and ayurvedic diet, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and so so I think it's a matter of finding. What actually works for you to find to find clarity
3: of mind
1: and strength in body, Um, and that you know if you know if it is something that you feel strongly about, I think it's okay. I don't think it is anyone's uh, right to tell someone else what they should or should not eat.
3: There's certainly
2: I've spoken to a few people that said, Well, you can't do yoga if so you're not vegetarian. Yeah. You know, they you know, I mean, um, both in, in, in practitioners and also scholars of yoga, you know, have told yeah. me in these interviews, you know, I, which is interesting but I, I don't mind it. I mean it's kind of dogmatic, but I kind of think, well, you know, definitely nail the colours to the mask there, you know. Say,
1: yeah. But, um, and I think I think, you know, that's fine too. And that that traditionally that would be that's that's Exactly this' the
2: case, isn't it yeah I mean I haven't you're eaten meat totally since biased. I was eighteen but I've, yeah I
1: I've... do know that it's like with the you know when you're a Tibetan monk or something let's say if you if you remember one of those lifetimes what you do is you take what people give you and if or well, they eat meat anyways don't they Are they uh, th- well they eat it if they most of them will eat it if it is given to them but they don't initiate that um, and certain, certain sects of that. So some of them, some of them, I mean, it kind of, you can't make a general rule, but many, many of them, uh, for instance, the Karmapa has now said he wants people to be, come off of vegetarian now. I think so, from what mm. I've heard, or at least aiming in that direction. And so in part, because of the humanitarian aspects and the availability of meat, et cetera. So, I think we have to be fluid with it a little bit, and that um, that you know, I, I didn't I didn't go into this thinking I'm going to be a rigid vegetarian. But at this point, many 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 years later, I cannot imagine what what it, it wanting to eat meat. I imagine also that if I did eat it, it probably would.
3: Be fine in my body. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I always thought like if I was in a, uh, like a Spanish village, I always say, you know, and you know, like with that festival they have with the pig, you know, when they bushes the a pig yes. once a year, and then they, you know, and it's and the thing is, the thing is, when you have to see the whole thing, right? Like in the the problem is honesty with this. Like as long as you see, for me, it's like as long as you're gonna see that, okay, this is the pig, right? And then we're gonna kill it, you know, and it's gonna squeal because it squeals like a, you know, it squeals like a baby, doesn't it? When it's, you oh, kill a pig, right? It's terrible. And you see all the pigs bleeding to death, right? And then you see it like, you know, see, you go through that whole process and then you use the whole thing. For me personally, that, 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 you know, that wouldn't be the, you know, that, that doesn't seem like a bad thing, but it's just, just this disconnect, right? It's like, there's so many people, I think, who would buy the processed bit of steak or whatever in the fridge in the supermarket, but wouldn't tolerate seeing the whole process that got it there. So that's not yeah. yoga. So that that's that's the part that isn't that connecting. But if you can see, you know, if you're happy to do the whole thing and, you know, like, a, you know, and see the whole thing on your plate, right, and, the, you know, then that's, then that's still yoga in my book, maybe.
3: <laughs> Does that make sense? And,
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah. in the Native American tradition and many, you know, sort of indigenous traditions that rely on eating whatever you can get
2: Um, And they said the same thing in Tibet. You know, they were kind of up in the, you know, in the Himalaya, and then that's all they had is that champa and a a bit of gristle, and you know.
1: And and, but that you give in the Native American thing, there are very specific sort of rituals you do to thank this other sentient being. Um, And if you can recognize, yes, I am eating another sentient being, and and this is why. Um, then that's much better, as you say, than just saying, well, let me go to a, a hamburger chain.
2: Yes, and, it's and unlikely we're... that one would be, um, you know, chewing into a Big Mac thinking um, yeah. whatever it is in yeah. that burger, which is probably not a cow in the first
3: place. Which probably is
2: <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> small part of an animal in there. Um <laughs> <yeah. sighs> Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think the other thing and the last thing to kind of wrap it up, I suppose, was to say that you know, it's the process of sharing as well. I think what, what really helped me with the food is that I did, I don't know, I've never told you this, but I did, um, actually four years in Tibetan Buddhist centers. Um, uh-huh. and I was a, I was a cook. I was the cook uh, uh-huh. for these, uh, these retreat centers. And, um, and I've always put myself in those positions, I think, of trying to share the food with others because it's the isolating factor of. Yeah or you know of the eating process which which is a difficulty so i sent as long as you know for me as long as i was there sharing and giving food with others immediately the pressure of the food went off completely
1: yeah yeah that's you know, so put it,
2: and putting yourself in those positions because it's easy when you have those feelings not to want to be in those positions right but if you're yeah. there with others and eating with others then uh, the weight was off yeah yeah oh
1: that's that's just wonderful.
3: Yeah,
2: it's
1: wonderful but, um, yeah they, 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 veterans, they
2: they're happy to eat anything uh, they, <laughs> they 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 like the vegetarian foods they like a bit of meat they don't you know yeah uh, yeah yeah but it's uh, it, it's the share I think it's the sharing um, of the food yeah. which really really comes down to that you know
1: and um, I I think you're right and for anyone who happens to see this who's struggling you know at any level with this to just know that you're not alone
3: Mm. that
1: that you know connecting with someone you trust and being able to be really honest with yourself um and patient and uh that those are the things you know i think really truly the connection to others and the connection to yourself those are what Will uh help to heal the the sort of imbalance that is manifesting.
3: Mm. And
1: it's not one food, it's not one activity, it's not mm. one mm. controlled thing you can do. It is really, you know, uh softening and connecting and being real.
2: So. Wonderful, yeah. I mean, there's no easy answers there, but I mean, I think you know we covered a little bit, and hopefully we provide some some food for thought, as it were. Um
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Over the let, I always have to end on a, on, a, on a more fun note. What so? What foods do you like, and what foods do you not like? So Is there your favourite foods and foods you can't eat or can't stand eating?
1: Um. Let's see. Foods. My some of my favourite foods. Um. Boy, you know, it, it kind of goes in phases. I love, uh, well, at this point in the year, I love soups. And soup, so yeah, yeah. Uh, today I'm going to make this wonderful um, carrot saffron soup. And so awesome, I really yeah. love this sort of mixture of. It's
2: a very um, subtle taste saffron. Yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds
1: and a, bit that's, Persian. a feeble, that's a feeble answer. And I also, you know, I I have
3: a variety
1: variety (laughs) of flavors Um, and foods that I don't like, which this is awful news to me because I've always really loved spicy foods. But within the last couple of years, and even though we've been spending time in Thailand, I can no longer, I'm in a phase where I can't eat super spicy foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That happened to my dad, yeah. and I think it might be happening to me as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah, that's definitely but,
2: unfortunate, isn't it?
1: You know, I do. I do like some coffee, but if I drink too much coffee, I feel like my face is going to fall off. So I yeah. limit that, um, and I am not a huge sweets person, but I like salty foods. So
2: yeah, that's pretty good.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah sounds about right okay um yeah what should i say yeah well i i tell you i'm from i tell you what i'm addicted to um you know you i have to get it well i now can get it in england but i used to have to literally order it from the from the states There's, uh because we lived in vancouver so i got a taste of you know this veginate yeah yeah because <laughs> we had a we i used to love mayonnaise as a kid right so i didn't want to eat that anymore so and, uh, when, then we had this English brand called Playmill or Plamil. And it was just disgusting, really. But you know, it wasn't a mayonnaise at all. It was rubbish. But somehow we <laughs> discovered this ve- or veganate or aid, however you want to say it. And uh, I was addicted to it. So now we're in France. I've got a whole, I, I ordered it the, just before Brexit, a whole bunch of it over France. So oh. I hope it lasts for a while until I can find a new source of it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's, great. Yeah, that's
2: great. Ridiculous. Anyway, that's a light-hearted end to our to our serious conversation. So um, please yeah. uh, um, let us know and do um, it. And thank you very much, Mary, for joining me. It's been a wonderful thank
3: time. Thank you so much. Okay.